Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Rim House Church Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Johnson, and I'm really excited to be sharing this podcast with you. It's going to be all about making disciples that make disciples, specifically in San Antonio, and then prayerfully seeing house churches emerge in every neighborhood of our city, which means we're going to need all types of people. Now we're praying that you may be one of those people. So let's jump in together. Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rim House Church Podcast. We're here with episode number two of season two. Last week, we had our very own Carmel Gabriel helping to set a framework for kind of the spiritual realm and recognizing that there's more to this world than just the physical. And we're actually primarily spiritual beings. And for us to actually see God doing something in our city, we have to be aware of what's going on spiritually. Uh, and we talk about in our house church pathway, the first phase is prayer and fasting. And if we're not a people that pray and that fast, we're really not going to actually see much of anything happen. So today, super excited. We're here joined by Shana Gurung. Is that the right way to say it, I think? It's pretty close. It's yeah. pretty close. Okay. Uh, and if you've been to the rim before, then you know and love Shana. She leads our church in worship. And uh, really excited for today because Shana actually lived in Nepal. Her husband, Prakas, lived in, or actually, I mean, he's from Nepal. Uh, they met in Nepal. And so she's got a really cool perspective even of spiritual warfare in the spiritual realm. And we talked about last week the difference of Western culture versus kind of the rest of the world. There's an awareness of two realities. And Shana knows a lot about worship. And uh, or she'll she'll say she doesn't know much, but she actually knows way more than any of us do. So, Shana, thank you so much for for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so maybe if people don't know you, tell us a little bit about you. What are you up to in life right now? What's what's going on in Shana's world? Okay, um, what's going on in our world? Uh, biggest thing, honestly, is uh, moving. We are we. We're living in Bernie for five and a half years, and we just sold our house, and we're moving into San Antonio, and everybody asks us why. <laughs> um, and yeah, we've loved Bernie, but we're really, really excited to to be in San Antonio. So why are you moving? Yeah, we're moving because, long story short, lots of affirmation, lots of confirmation from God that we need to be where our people are and doing life with them, community and family, um, with the people that we're number one, trying to reach and trying to share Jesus with. And then number two, just people who are like our family. We need to be in the same vicinity. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Well, Shana, we're going to kick it off with a super easy question. Okay. Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, so you, you have a unique perspective of worship and prayer and you have those things come together but for many of us we probably don't actually you know we sing songs uh like okay this is worship right so if i were just ask you what is worship Mm -hmm. what would you say yeah i it's a loaded question um but i think that worship really is just kind of our communication with god and praise so it's telling God who he is, which he doesn't need us to do. It's really for us to remind ourselves and our hearts what is true about God. 
and what's true about us. Um, so I think worship is hugely just kind of setting, I don't know, vocally like setting truths back on the throne. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. No, that's great. So yeah. would you say is worship prayer? Is prayer worship? Are they different? Like what's the, yeah, what's the relationship there? Yeah. I think that as far as I know, they are definitely connected. And I think that worship can be so many things. Um, You know, painting can be worshipful. And I was saying before, parenting your kids can be worshipful. Cleaning your house can be worshipful. Working your job is can be worship. Um, and yeah, I think that prayer and worship definitely are connected and go together. That's good. That's really good. So let me ask you this, just as someone who, I genuinely mean this, like respect you, your walk with Jesus, your intimacy with Jesus, your awareness to the spiritual world, which I'm trying to learn about. I'm not super all the way there yet. Uh, But what has been your own story when it's come to, you know, recognizing the spiritual realm, if you will, recognizing the importance of prayer and worship? Like, take us a little on a a trip through Shana's life, and how have you kind of gotten to the place that you are now when it comes to prayer, to worship, to an awareness of more than just the physical realm? Mm, That's also a very loaded question. Um, yeah, I feel like I have always struggled with prayer, being consistent in it, um, feeling like it was effective. What do I say? Okay. That was like five minutes. Cool. You know, um, that's always been a struggle for me. And, um, what's really been interesting is since I've been leading people in worship, what I've been learning is, uh, has been prayer-like for me. So I, it's where I intercede. It's where I um, remind myself of who God is. It's where I beg him and cry out to him for things that I need or for things that I know people need that I'm looking at, that I'm leading, um, that I love. So yeah, I still feel like I'm just really, I struggle with prayer. That's just real. But at the same time, what God has been teaching me in worship is that I'm kind of, it's, it's all connected Mm -hmm. is that, okay, maybe for me, prayer just sounds different than maybe other people's prayers. It just comes with a melody. Um, but I think that it's really connected and he's showing me, um, how to love it more than I ever have before. Mm. Yeah. That's really sweet. What would you say, use a word earlier, interses- intercessing? Yes. Interceding for people? Interceding. Yeah. What, what is that? What is intercession? <laughs> interceding for people. What does that mean? Um, yeah. I think for me, not an intercessor, I think. I, I don't know. I, it's I like yeah, God is sure. making me one because I've, I've been asking him my whole life to make me an interceder, an intercessor. I don't know. Okay. Um, I've been asking him a lot really since I knew him, Lord, I want to be better in prayer. I want to be an intercessory 
prayer warrior person. I want to do battle in prayer. Um, and so anyway, he's making me into that, but I feel very, I feel like I'm just not there, but I'm sure everybody feels that way. (laughs) Um, but intercession for me, what I've been learning, especially again, through worship is, um, knowing people and entering into what's going on in their lives. So if, you know, the people I'm leading, if I know, you know, looking over here, if I'm seeing someone that I personally know and walk with and do life with, and I know what they're struggling with, or I know where they haven't surrendered this part of their life to Jesus yet, or maybe they haven't surrendered anything to Jesus. For example, when my dad was coming to the room with us for a little while, every song we were singing was intercession for him to know the truths about God and how good he is. So yeah, I think for, for me, intercession is knowing people, what's going on with them, what's going on in their hearts, in their lives. What do they need? What are they crying out for? Where have they not experienced freedom? Where are they not believing the truth about God? All those things and declaring what I'm singing over them or crying out to God on their behalf. Mm. Um, maybe asking for things that they can't ask for because they, they just don't have the faith in that moment or they're just too weak or they're too tired. Mm. Or maybe they don't know what to ask for and I can see something that they don't and I'm asking on their behalf. Yeah. We talked about you know this prayer and fasting. A big part of it is becoming aware of Jesus, where are you already at work? Yeah. And then how can I join you in where you're already working? Totally. So from what I hear you saying is in worship and almost, I guess, maybe prayer pre, you know, pre worship, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you've been asking Jesus or in a relationship with someone, you know, where Jesus is, or maybe even isn't working yet. And worship is a place where you're praying that that would be a place Jesus begins to work in. Or maybe he is working and you're continuing to pray that over them uh, and you get to then walk. Is that what I hear you? Yes, totally. Um, I'm just even thinking about, um, you know, Wednesdays we've been, I've been meeting with some awesome, awesome ladies. And I've been asking at the, you know, while they're sharing kind of what's going on in their week and how they're doing with Jesus and just how they're doing in general. Um, I'm asking, you know, what do you need? How can I pray for you? Like, how can I hold you accountable? And so all those things, they don't just disappear, you know, when I, when I have a microphone and I, and a guitarist next to me on Sunday morning like they just continue it's a continuation of what I'm already praying for them and what I know is going on so you're saying I should actually listen when people are talking (laughs) take note of what they say that is an idea yeah I think it's a good idea yeah no I think it's super helpful because even I think like gosh how often do I you walk out of a conversation and it's like Mm -hmm. I don't I was so busy trying to figure out what I was going to say yeah. instead of, you know, whether they know Jesus or, or not. Like right. if you take note of that, then that's something then even in worship, I guess you can, mm-hmm. it's giving you things that you can begin to pray over them, to worship over them. Totally. Is- and I think too, I mean, God, if you have the Holy Spirit, like God is talking to you about people in your life. Hello. He's just going to be doing that in all c- different kinds of ways, depending on how you talk with him and how you listen with you know to him. So, 
my husband gets dreams from God, right? He's not necessarily reading scripture and thinking of people as he's reading a scripture, but he'll have a dream and it will prompt him to be like, okay, what's going on with you? You know, is everything good? Um, And for me, you know, people are sharing with me what's going on and there's songs popping in my head for them. Yeah. So God's speaking to each of us in very different ways. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a tangent, I guess, but no, that's great. That's so you all I, kind of intercession yeah, and prayer. Yeah. But worship is built into that. Could you speak totally. maybe cause I get, this is even a new idea for me. Like, man, like when I worship, I'm not just worshiping for myself, yeah. but even worship is a weapon. I guess we have yes. to combat the enemy. Yes. Could you speak maybe even to, you know, how you worship or intercede on someone's behalf in worship of someone who knows Jesus versus doesn't know Jesus? How, how might that differ if it does? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, hmm. I think, you know, I don't know. I think part of me is like, well, they have this, if someone, you know, is following Jesus, they have the spirit. And so there's, I don't know, there's almost more of a, a power mm-hmm. and an authority because the same spirit that lives in me lives in, you know, this person, X, Y, Z, right? Yeah. And if I'm praying things for them that they're probably longing for in their hearts, you know, and asking God for in their hearts, um, I feel like we're joining together. It's like a force. Mm. Uh, But when it's someone that does not know Jesus and does not have the spirit, I am battling for them. Mm. Like, I feel like I'm carrying a weapon and I'm going to war and they are unconscious on the side of the battlefield. Yeah, they're dead. (laughs) They're dead. And I am like in a battle to resurrect them. Or, or like I have a shield, Mm. you know, around them. Yeah. I don't know. So there is a difference, but I I don't know. I'm not the person to ask probably about like what the difference is in how you intercede for those people. But that I feel like is, is the difference that I know personally is there is a different power Mm -hmm. and there's a, and there's a difference in what, obviously what you're asking for, right? Yeah. You're asking for you know, with a believer, like more faith, you know, more belief, more freedom. Yeah. And for someone who doesn't know Jesus, God opened their eyes. Yeah. You know, so there's these, step one. Yeah. There's these different avenues of worship even. Cause mm-hmm. even my experience is worship was primarily just me connecting with God. But from what I hear you saying is, Hey, like it's a weapon. It's also like this, you know, outward thing. We're praying over people. You speak maybe even to the balance of, you know, I guess it's a, a inward worship versus outward worship. Because from what I hear you saying, if you do all of the one but not the other, you're actually missing out on some really sweet, like, fullness of worship. Like, if yeah. people, like, what are we missing in worship if we don't, if mm. we, yeah, what, what are we missing in worship if we miss one of the sides? Yeah. That's a really good question. I So I'm going to kind of bring it to just prayer, yeah. like sim, almost simplify it, right? If you think about prayer, 
and you're only ever praying for what you need and where you're at and what's going on in your life, your circumstances, your family, uh, then you're kind of missing out on the vision of being like a kingdom-minded person. So you're missing out on what it means to pray for God's kingdom to come to earth, right? It's built into the Lord's prayer, right? It's not just about you and your daily bread. Hello. Right. It's it's about it's about um, seeing God's kingdom come to earth and lives to be changed and for revival and for dead things to come to life and things that are not to exist. You know, so uh, it's not just it, it's both. It has to be both. So if you think about that in your prayer life, then that's the same thing for worship. It's got to be for your own soul and your own health and your own walk with Jesus. And then it also needs to be for collectively. You're, you're not just a single body part. You are a member of a body. Mm-hmm. So it's you have to be healthy as whatever part you are. And then your job is also to participate in the health of the whole body. Like it's both. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's really good. Maybe even to take this down to a, you know, a micro level what do you think is the role of worship in the life of maybe a house church or even maybe a like a missionary? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, w- what is the role of worship um, in those in those not just corporately, but even in those individual spaces? Like the importance of a healthy rhythm of worship for maybe a house church or a missionary. Like, could you could you speak to that? Hmm. Yeah, I mean. The obvious, the thing that comes to my head is just that you need to be abiding with Jesus in worship for yourself, and you need to be with community, worshiping collectively. Um, And really, like, I don't know that that has to be, I'm going to sing 2.6 songs, uh, and because I'm not a musician or a singer, I'm going to, like, play YouTube, you know. Uh, Is that okay? Are we allowed to do that? <laughs> you're totally allowed to do that. But I don't think it has to be that. I think, um, and it doesn't, there doesn't need to be a single instrument. I don't know that there needs to be outward singing um, by your, for yourself. I, collectively, I do think that is part of what we're supposed to do. But um, I just think there has to be a rhythm of where you're doing both. You're, you're, you're praising God and reminding yourself of who God is for yourself. You're crying out to God for yourself. And then as a, as a community, you are, it's like, um, I'm totally blanking, but it's, it's like the early church where their role for each other was to encourage each other in what Jesus said um, to spur one another on, right? Like, it's hard walking with Jesus. It's hard. So, yeah, if anything we can do to, like, link arms with each other, I think we're we're called to do that. So I don't know exactly, you know, what that looks like specifically for each, you know, community. I think that's probably different for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think you just have to be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard it said, like, thanks to John Piper quote of kind of you know 
mission, God's mission, is that there be worship in every people group, that someone mm. of every nation, tribe, and tongue would be praising, you know, praying, connecting with God, that the end mm. result of mission is worship. And the, mm. the marriage supper yes. of the Lamb, it's the end result of, hey, we're going. Mission in and of itself isn't the point. Jesus is the point. Uh, and as we, he's, he is working, as we identify where he's working, he's yes. sending us. That leads to more worship. Yes. And I totally. Think even we're my, made to glorify him. Yeah. So I think maybe even what's cool, just this picture came to my mind is you know, the fruit of the spirit, right? So the, the goodness of God, the light of the kingdom, as you begin to you know, partner with Jesus where he's already working, mm-hmm. you'll begin to see that, you know, that creation song and things that were dead as you're, as you're, you know, your, your shield, like you're going to war for them spiritually. Uh, you're beginning to see like this new song of worship arise. And our, our prayer and our hope is that San Antonio and across the world that every people group would have that same creation song singing praise to, to God. Yes. I, this is not in scripture, but I often um, think about the throne room of heaven. I often think about what, what that is like. Um, and God's given me like a vision about that and given me songs about it. So I, there's just this pull that God has just put on my heart about what it's like in the throne room of heaven. And every time I imagine it, um, it is full of praise and worship and it's all tongues and tribes. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it is a re it's going to, it's a reality because it's, it it is going to be true. God's promises are true. We know that that's what heaven looks like. It's international. It's every tribe, every nation, every tongue. We know we know that we know it's yeah. gonna. It's that's what's that's the end. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, man, how cool is that to be a part of that, even in a small way? If mm. what if you know your hand in bringing that to fruition is, you know, this tribe over here in this part of San Antonio, or this tribe over here in this part of San Antonio. Yeah. Or wherever you live, like, what if you had a hand in that tribe being the praise? Yeah. Like, that is in the throne room of heaven. Yeah. So It's like every people group has a, a note or a chime or a, a sound that the yes. song isn't complete until every people group has a note that's making the song. Yeah. Complete. Or almost like, man, that's a really beautiful song. And then it adds in the violin and you're like, oh man, yeah. wow. Yeah. And then, and, and you didn't even know you were, it was missing because yeah. we're just humans and we're dumb. Sure. But God is like, I know it's busy, you know. But, um, you know, how, how each like thing comes in and you're like, oh, it's so much better than I thought. Oh my goodness, I didn't think it could get better. Oh, yeah. I didn't know it could get even better than that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be a disservice. We are talking about this earlier, but, you, you know, you lived in Nepal six months? Eight months. Eight months. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> lived in Nepal, taught people groups, and even, you know, part of, you know, the life of a house church. We're kind of getting back into this. We are missionaries. Like That is one of our, that's not just what we do. That's our identity and trying to get back to people aren't coming to church. Mm-hmm. We 
need to stop trying to get people to come to our thing and realize from the very beginning, God is a missionary God. He's sent his people to cross cultural barriers. Uh, and a big part of praying and fasting is getting back to this. As we go, we're rooted in prayer and fasting. That's the driving force. I think mm. you said it's the, you know, maybe it was before it's we It's like the battle started. plans. It's the pre-battle, right? It's the battle plans. It's laying the groundwork. It's the trumpeters coming onto the battlefield before the army gets there. It's there the whole battle. Yes. And it's thereafter. Yes. Like it's in every part. Yes. So how did you see, because we grew up in America, right? Yeah. And then went to Nepal. Yeah. Where you're talking about at the beginning, like there is an awareness of these dualistic realms happening, the physical and the spiritual. How did your prayer life change moving from America to Nepal? Oh, yeah. Or seeing how the people in Nepal prayed. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So you struggle with prayer, but maybe you got to see them pray. Or imagine yeah, it changed for it's you too over there. It's totally, that this, yeah, it's two part there. Um, they, I want to be like them when I grew up yeah. with their prayer life. It is, and their worship too. I'm just going to say that. That's what I, that's what I want in my worship too. Um. And I've learned from it too, you know, so I've taken from that, but it is just so powerful. Wow. Um, the worship in Nepal and goodness, even when I hear, you know, see little videos or clips or things, um, I have some missionary friends in different countries, like seeing worship, hearing worship in any other language yeah. other than English, I'm in tears and I have like chills all over my body. I mean, it's just it is the sound of heaven. I just know that it is. And it's, it just wrecks me, honestly. So when I hear, when I see worship in Nepal, um, one, one huge thing I see is vulnerability. They're, they are not only willing, but they are ready and they are ready to act a fool. They don't care what they look like, what they sound like. Um, what an idea. It is just, hey, I am going to pour out my heart to Jesus right now because I'm ready. Like, I've been primed all week to collectively be here and just lay it all down and worship Jesus however I am led to. So, I mean, their worship is, gosh, everything from, like, singing at the top of their lungs out of key. Yeah in key, um, laying on the floor, just bawling like a puddle of tears. And that's their worship the whole time. You know, they didn't sing a word. They didn't say a word. They just broke down and they cried the whole time, you know, um, sitting down, laying down. I mean, it's just dancing. Actually, a lot of them dance. It's just it feels like David in the Psalms, you know, sometimes he's weeping. Like those Psalms are so hard sometimes where he's like, why, you know, why have, why have you left me? It feels yeah. like you're not here. It feels like you're not taking care of me. And they're sad songs. They're like lamentations. Right. And then other times he's like shouting praise and he's dancing and he's like, oh, thank you, Jesus, you know, woo. And he's just having a party. And other times it's, uh, you know, slay the wicked, you know, close the mouths of people who would lie about you and say, you know, bad things about you. So, yeah, yeah. I feel like it is like that. Yeah. It is psalmist, yeah. like worship. Yeah, being there, 
how did you see prayer as the foundation, the strategy, the pre, the battle, the post? How did you see prayer as the foundation for ministry and movement? Yeah. So we just briefly kind of talked about this earlier and, um, prayer is everything for them. They just, I think, recognize that without prayer, there's nothing else that moves the heart of God. There's, there's nothing else that changes things uh, for eternity. Prayer is the power. It's where the power, God is power. (laughs) So prayer is just engaging with God and saying, I want to either walk in your authority or I need you and your power and your strength and your love to do whatever it is that I need right now or this person needs right now. So prayer is totally the driving force of, of everything, um, including worship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What can the American church, what can the San Antonio church, what can the rim church and a house church learn from the Nepali church about prayer as the basis for everything? Oh, that's a good question. I think I hate to say this, but my first thought kind of is um, we need to have a humility and an awareness of our need because I think the biggest scheme of Satan for us is self-sufficiency, independence, um, taking things just at face value. Um, yeah, like we are really able here. Like we have a lot of resources. We can learn X, Y, Z. If we're questioning God, we can, um, you know, look up the word in the Greek. We can research like if this really true. Yeah. We have so many resources available to us. We have knowledge, um, that we can access just readily available. Um, in Nepal, that's really non-existent. Um, there's no resources for them, or very, very little. Um, the knowledge isn't there. All of the faith, all of the power comes from prayer. Mm. It's not on their own understanding. It's not on their own power. They don't have anything to offer. I mean, they come, they come ma- majority of Nepalese, and a lot of, I think, Eastern culture is similar, um, they're coming to know Jesus from paganism, you know, from witchcraft, from, you know, just nothing, like literally no knowledge of God, of, of Jesus at all, of the Bible at all, zero, never heard the name Jesus, most of them. So when they come to know him, when they come to experience him in whatever way that is, which is usually miraculous in some kind of way, then that's the only thing they have to go off of. So if I can access this God of power where nothing is impossible for this God, then that's, that's how I'm going to tackle everything yeah. because what else can I do? Yeah. I don't know the history of the Old Testament. I don't know all these things. So it's just got to be Jesus, and it's just got to be you, God. Yeah. So, again, maybe it's just my, my brain works this way. It's like when you're praying over there, mm-hmm. what does that look like? Is that like I'm just, you know, got to pray for my neighbor Joe that he come to know you. Uh, 
yeah, amen. Like, yeah. What, what is that, you know? Because it sounds great. Like, in my heart's like, man, I, I want to be like that. Even just hearing stories, it's like, I want to be someone that prays. But to your point, we have the gift of knowledge where we probably know a lot of theological truths about prayer, mm-hmm. especially with a in the church, but we don't, we're not humble, we're not needy, we're not dependent on prayer. Like, yeah. Practically, like, when they pray, like, what does that prayer look like? Is it just, hey, God, I pray for my neighbor Joe that he come to Jesus? Like, what does that prayer look like? I think that it feels like life and death. It feels enormous. Um, they just take it really seriously. Like people's lives, I- eternal lives are at stake. Um, and and I think they just take prayer, they believe that it's powerful. Mm-hmm. They, they really believe that um, they have access into the throne room of heaven and that God will listen to their plea. You know, it's not like, I'm just thinking of Nepal, for example. It's not like, in their physical government, you know, they could walk into the court of the president or the king or whatever and say whatever request they had and the king would probably not grant it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They would not be heard. But they know, they just fully are confident that, man, whatever I bring, God hears me and he will move. He will do something. Yeah. So they just believe that. They just believe in the power of prayer. Like here, we have so many other things we can depend on. Medicine, doctors. Um, we can provide with for families who are in need with food. Like we can just take out our credit card and buy people food. Yeah. You know, we can do so many things. We're so capable. Um, but there, they don't. They can't. So they have to depend on God for everything. Mm. Like if... If a family is struggling financially, they can't take out, I mean, they can take out maybe something, you know, they can do something. But if that family needs a miracle, they have to pray for a miracle. Mm. Um, If someone's kid's dying or sick, they have some medical care, but it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't carry even the same, in the same ballpark of power that it does when you just ask God. Yeah. What do you think that? Because you talked about earlier, like, a lot of these people are coming from, like, paganism. And, like, yeah. They may have legitimately never heard the name of Jesus before. Yeah. Um, no, most really haven't. Yeah. Which is mind-boggling yeah. in America, right? So, for how can we as the church, even here in our city, take that, what you just said, and begin to pray for our neighbor, Joe, that probably, you know, knows you know maybe theoretically knows god exists like in this culture how can we begin to pray like that here part of me um so one thing that's coming to mind is praying against this scheme of satan actually where this is our spiritual blindness actually in, in america um, is we are independent. We are self-sufficient. We can do all these things. But it's, it's Satan uses it totally against us um, to put a veil over our eyes of where the real power is and what the real needs are um, and urgency. You know, it's, 
it's like, oh, well, they're doing fine. You know, everything in their life is fine. Because you just see the physical. Yeah. We're actually so blind to spiritual reality. Um, and that's our, that's like the biggest scheme of Satan in, in America is we are blind to spiritual, the spiritual. Um, I don't know if that answered your question. No, actually. that's huge. <laughs> so that how, how might someone take steps in that direction? Hmm. To removing the blinders or to yeah. seeing the seriousness and the weight and the urgency of the gospel. What are some maybe steps that we can take here, in, even in San Antonio? I would start, honestly, where I would personally start and where I have, I mean, I'll just tell you where I started, right, is God, you are the only one who can open my eyes. Um you know, I'm a part of this culture too. I'm a product of this culture too. So I have the same struggle that I see in all of my friends and people and neighbors that I want to know Jesus and want to experience freedom in him. And I'm, I'm just as blind and probably multiple of, you know, all the same of the same ways. And so God show me, remind me of, of the urgency that their physical circumstances and their physical just reality is is just so temporary. God, remind me that it's so temporary. Remind me that there's an urgency, that there is eternity that I can't see, um, that that's real. So God, start to open my eyes. Um, yeah, so I, I just pray that God would give me his eyes and his ears um, that I would be listening, that I would be looking, and yeah, that the Spirit would just be—he's he, already—he God already wants to show us. He already wants to to take us with Him in that, and to join Him in that mission. Um, so I think joining God in what He's already doing, uh, asking Him to, how can I do this with you? You have to—you have to lift the veil from my own eyes for me to be able to, to intercede for somebody else. Yeah. So. Could you speak to maybe be it in worship or prayer and like the conversation we're having right now when you're doing these things, but it feels like nothing is happening. Mm. How do you stay perseverant in the midst of what seems like disappointment or it seems like, mm -hmm. you know, cause there's a story even, um, I don't know, first or second Samuel where Saul yeah. I just got anointed king, yeah. and you know he's uh, going to lead the, the army out. I think it's against the Philistines or okay. one of, the, one of yeah. their enemies. Mm -hmm. And he was supposed to wait seven days for Samuel to come and light yes. the sacrifice. Yes. And uh, he waits the seven days, and it's like the seventh day. Uh -huh. Samuel hasn't shown up. There's no he's sign like, of him, right. yeah. and there, his army is, is like literally just leaving. Waiting. Yeah, and it's dwindling. And so mm -hmm. he's looking around, and he's like. And I know I'm not, like, supposed to, but yeah, I want to kind of do the right thing. I know I'm not authorized to do it, but so Saul ends up mm -hmm. offering a sacrifice. And mm -hmm. then Samuel, a little bit later, shows up. He's like, what have you done? Mm -hmm. uh, because Saul was like, hey, what? I was supposed to wait, and the waiting, I didn't see anything moving. So now I'm going to turn to my strategy, mm -hmm. which actually, you know, you can read the rest of the story. It really doesn't turn out well. Yeah. So how can you, in the midst of, of praying, 
and waiting and worship and in prayer, when it doesn't seem like anything is happening, how can we stay persistent and not just go back to the American blindness of, okay, well, then I guess I'm going to try my strategy mm -hmm. now instead of staying consistent with God's strategy. God is teaching me a lot about this, actually. Uh, that's another thing I feel really poor in is endurance and perseverance. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's been in the last couple of months that I really have been praying a lot for God to show me what does that look like for me to be persistent in prayer. So I don't really have a total uh, an answer for you, um, but what God has been showing me recently, and I don't know, it, it feels like it, it relates, but I don't know if I'll be able to communicate it, like to actually connect the dots, but um, what he's been showing me is perseverance. So, okay, so James 2, 1 through 4 has been big in my mind, uh, which is consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because uh, the trials develop perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And... Um, so the point of trials is perseverance, right? And perseverance produces wholeness, mm. right? And what he actually just showed me last week, yeah, last week, today, last, yeah, exactly a week ago, <laughs> was actually so huge for me, um, is that I think that this journey, this perseverance, that this long suffering, actually, I like to call it for myself because perseverance feels like suffering. So this long suffering, this perseverance, it's supposed to accomplish wholeness. And I was asking God, how? How does the suffering accomplish wholeness so that I'm lacking in nothing, right? Um, how does that work? And then he reminded me of Psalm 23. And kind of long story short, what I put together is um, that wholeness, completeness is a person. Mm. And that person is Jesus and he's found in long suffering yeah. and in perseverance. So it's kind of like, it, again, to the Psalm 23, how he showed me that was, right, the Lord is my shepherd, right? I shall not be in want. I shall not want. Uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. He leads me through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Wait a second, <laughs> you know. Yeah. He led me by the pastures. Like, I was cool with that. He led me by the still waters. Awesome. Like, I make my camp there. Let's hang out here forever. But then the good shepherd leads them through the valley of the shadow of death, right? And you're like wait a second now, like this doesn't seem right. And yeah. when you think about a valley of the shadow of death, like that is not a quick stop. Mm. I, I'm thinking of like the Grand Canyon, yeah. right? Like when you're going through the it's valley. Just a big hole in the ground. Yeah, I'm when you're going a... through the valley, it's like this is long suffering. This is perseverance. And the shepherd is with them. The shepherd is with you. So it's kind of like the the shall not be in want is because of who you're with. Yeah. So the perseverance in prayer and in worship, it just causes you to be 
abiding in Jesus. So it just causes intimacy. No, that's like, gosh, amazing. I've heard it said too, like rivers where life comes from Mm -hmm. typically aren't found on the top of mountains, Mm. but they're in the valleys. They're when you're with, you know, the river of life, it's Jesus. Yeah. Um, That's a, that's a beautiful picture. Um, what would you say for you know a missionary, a disciple maker, house church leader, um, the importance of actually having built into their calendar a rhythm of praying and interceding and worshiping for people and not just, a, okay, yeah, like I objectively agree with everything that's been said so far. But how do I practically do yeah, that like how, take like, steps how to... How can you actually make that a practice in your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great question. I I think accountability. That's going to be step one. So whatever works for your house church, your community, um, maybe that's every week um, you ask, you know, one person is in charge of just leading prayer time. Yeah. And maybe they've been processing praying and fasting throughout the week to say, okay, what should this prayer time this week look like? Who should we be praying for? How should we be praying? Should it be in song? You know, all that stuff. So maybe that is, maybe you share responsibility with that. Um, Maybe there's a time of accountability where um, you all share the, what God has been teaching you in your prayer life, you know, individually all week long. And then it's like testimonies, you know, of, I, you know, sat for five minutes, I heard nothing, but then the next day I just got this cool picture and it made me read this in scripture and it, and it's just, I think, um, encouragement of each other Mm -hmm. and accountability to say, Hey, how has your prayer life been throughout the week? And then how can we come together now? And honestly, let me just say, honestly, I think when you hear the testimonies of what God has been teaching people through their prayer life and through their worship, the response is worship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the natural response is actually more worship. Yeah. Because you're seeing, oh my gosh, he really told you that? He really showed you that? Yeah. What? Yeah. And you're just amazed. And so the product, the natural byproduct is actually more praise and worship. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it spurs you on. Like, I want to hear from God like that. Yeah. So it's, like, just collectively awesome. <laughs> That's beautiful. Maybe just as we're rounding this off here, anything else God's been teaching you that, you know, you feel like people should probably know or that, you know, as you've been, you, you said, at least what we were talking earlier, like, hey, this is something God's actually growing you and stretching you in. Is yeah. What would be, like, maybe your last word to people uh, if you if you have one about prayer and worship that want to make sure people people get, who mm. I don't know. I think um, I think maybe I'll say specifically to like worship. Um, I think people feel can can feel timid about worship a little bit like how do I approach this like 
especially people who feel like I, I don't have much confidence in myself with like singing, you know, I don't play an instrument, like music really isn't my giftedness. And so when they think about worship, it's kind of like a something that is good to do, but something I'm not really super excited about doing or something I feel very self-conscious in. Um, and to that, I would just say, yeah, that we are created to worship him and to yeah. praise him. We're, we're made to sing. Um, and your voice is beautiful to the king of heaven, no matter what you think about it. Yeah. And no matter your reservations, he's a king worthy of praise. So be one of the voices, like lifting up praise like a sweet smell in the throne of heaven. Like let your voice be in that room, echoing in that room. Mm. Um, I just think he's, he's just so worthy of it. And we are actually really made to do that. And I think when we, when we take that step of when we kind of move past our fear or anxiety or insecurity about worship, I think when we actually do it and we're obedient, um, both for ourselves and collectively, um, you know, in the, in like a worship gathering, um, when we do that and we're obedient, I think that we will see God move in ways that you've never seen him move before because that's like an area, a muscle that you haven't exercised yet. But when you do, it's like, oh, wow, look at all the things that that I can do. Like, look at all the ways I'm healthier. Um, It's a command. We don't, we have a choice, but it's a command. It's for our good and it's for his glory. Yeah. So do it. That's awesome. That's it. Just do it. Just do just it. Just worship. Just sing. Just Doesn't do it. Doesn't matter how bad you are. Just. Just do it. And do it. Do it in your car. Yeah. Um, when you're alone. That is the number one space where I meet with Jesus in worship. Yeah. And I pray. And that is the spot for me. So in the car, I'm alone. And there's nothing on the radio. There's nothing to help me. And I just get to sing to him whatever I want. Yeah. You know, I'm sad and I need help yeah. or you're so good or I cannot believe you showed me this. I cannot believe you did this. Yeah. You know, wow. So you mentioned, find a spot. You mentioned a little earlier, you you know, you got some songs I for do. the throne room. Are we ever going to get to hear any of said songs or is that just a you and Jesus <laughs> thing? Some of them, I think, are just for me and Jesus. Okay. Uh, but some of them I've I've. They're, I know that they're for the church. So, um, yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. I know God has given me songs for the church. Um, so I, they came from him. They're there. They're in a notebook. I sing them. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah. And I haven't, I'm just so new to all this. I don't know what that looks like to bring them to everybody. It's very vulnerable. It's scary. It's hard. Um, it's like a whole process of yeah. trusting God and then also um, being a, a good steward mm-hmm. of what he's given me. So I'm learning so much in that regard, but he's been doing a lot with that in the last three or four years. Yeah. So yeah, some no. of them are for me and some of them are for everybody. That's okay. That's <laughs> good. We're excited to hear him at some point. Yeah. 
Thank you.